Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. As you may have noticed, we got new theme music. And that's because today we are celebrating a very special episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox. This is the 100th episode. Yeah, it is lit. Now, I know it says track number 90, but, you know, in the past, I've done a lot of abridged episodes that got titles of bridge number one, bridge number two, all of that. And then I also had uh, one episode where I did two episodes in one day. So one was like, I think it was track 23. One was track 23.5. So it may say track number 90, but trust me. This is the 100th episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, and I am very, very excited to still be your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. So let's celebrate. Now, what I have in store um, for this episode, um, we're going to do the Song of the Week sampler series, going to do the Press Play segment, and then in the Dig Deeper segment, um, we're going to reflect. You know, I'm going to look back on you know these past 100 episodes look forward to the next 100 um and talk about some of my favorite moments um in these past three years these past 100 episodes so i'm very excited to get into that with you all but first you know you know i'm gonna start with the song of the week so as you know uh, I've been doing the Song of the Week sampler series. So this is where I feature two songs. One, uh, a song that was used as a sample. And then two, uh, the song that used that sample. Uh, so I'm going to continue that series today. 
but this one is going to get a little bit more in depth. So I'm going to switch things up this week and I'm going to play the song uh, that uses the sample first. And so now this is a a four part sampler series because the the sample chain is a lot longer than uh, I think people will know for this one. So the the song that the last song you know that I want to talk about that uses the sample is a song by Erica Badu um, off of her two thousand um, album Mama's Gun, and that song is Bag Lady. So the part of that song that you really uh, want to pay attention to is that, and it's kind of permeating throughout the background of the track. And you know, if you're a real a real hip hop head, you know exactly where you've heard that before, and that is on "Explosive" by Dr. Dre from his album 2001. Now, you know. I would have thought it stopped there because, you know, that melody is so, like, central and key to Explosive by Dr. Dre that when I when I hear that, that's all I hear. As much as I love Erykah Badu, that song is what comes to mind because it's so prominent in that track. But that wasn't the beginning of that melody because Dr. Dre actually sampled that melody from a group called Soul Man and the Brothers. Um, and there, I couldn't find out much about them except that uh, they did music for the Shaft soundtrack in like 1971. And so the song of theirs that was sampled is called Bumpy's Lament. So you can tell that the song is drastically different at this point. So, you know, Dr. Dre took that um, and sped it up a lot, and it seems changed the pitch of it as well. So, I mean, the the sample, like, two songs removed is already completely different than what Erica Badu sampled for Bag Lady. But that is not the end of the line, because Soul Man and the Brothers, actually, their song was a cover of a song that Isaac Hayes did for the Shaft soundtrack of the same name, Bumpy's Lament. So shout out to Isaac Hayes. He was already a legend, but the fact that his music was the inspiration for Explosive by Dr. Dre and Bag Lady by Erica Badu is pretty, that's pretty amazing. Um, and honestly, his version is way better than Soul Man and the Brothers cover. Like the, the organ that he uses is cooler. I like the pace a lot better than theirs. Um, I mean, I think at the end of the day, Explosive is still going to be, you know, a fantastic song. And Bag Lady, one of the dopest songs that Erykah Badu has ever made. But it's just so cool to see how that sample chain started and ended. Like you start with a song from the Shaft soundtrack by Isaac Hayes and you end with Bag Lady by Erykah Badu. And I'm sure it might not have ended there. Somebody, I'm sure a lot of West Coast artists heard Explosive by Dr. Dre and probably used that sample themselves because that melody is hard to like not think about. It's it really it really ingrains in your in your brain. Um so that is it for the sampler series today. Just wanted to take you down that road um from Isaac Hayes to Erica Badu. Um so without further ado, let's jump right into the press play segment. 
right, welcome to the Press Play segment. As you know, especially if you've been rocking for 100 episodes, the Press Play segment is separated into three portions. Things that you should check out. Uh, that's where I keep you hip to music videos, performances, new songs that you definitely need to see. The rumor mill and announcements. Uh, and then the upcoming and recently released albums. That's where I talk about albums that have been released in the past couple weeks that you should hear, and also albums that are coming out within the past month. So let's jump right into the things that you should check out. Uh, Logic dropped off a freestyle called YS4, which stands for Young Sinatra 4, because he is going to be dropping off his Young Sinatra 4 mixtape at the end of this month. So he dropped off a little freestyle that was more than a little freestyle. Homie was spitting. And and say what you will about Logic. You can't you can't come at his bars because homie has bars. He's a great MC. He knows how to spit. And his young Sinatra tapes, just like his like Bobby uh Tarantino tapes, he spits bars. Like he kinda leaves the a lot of the conscious stuff at home and he comes to just rap. So if you enjoy you know, great MCs, then this Young Sinatra tape is going to be for you, and this freestyle that he dropped is going to be for you. As you know, everything I talk about in this segment will be in the Thinking Outside the Boombox newsletter. Uh, you can get that in two ways. Go to thinkingoutsidethebombox.com. Put your email in on the right. The newsletter will be emailed to you every Wednesday when the podcast drops. It'll be right in your inbox. Uh, or you can go to the newsletter tab on the website, and all the newsletters will be there. Uh, Bryson Tiller uh, is supposed to be dropping his album Serenity um, at the I don't know when he hasn't he hasn't really said much about a date, um, but he he has, you know, hinted that it's coming this year. And the fact that he dropped off a couple new songs this week is uh, is proof enough uh, for me that the project's coming this year. So he dropped off. A cover of Normal Girl by SZA from her Control Tape uh, project. Um, He did a cover of that. That was dope. You definitely want to listen to that. It was an acoustic cover. So, you know, Bryson really using his gifts on that one. Um, And then he dropped off a new single, um, which might not be like an album single, but he's definitely getting us ready. He said, something I made a couple of days ago, still warming up, more soon, promise. So he he dropped a song called Cancel, and this was all through SoundCloud. Um, so and they're both, you know, they're Bryson through and through. Even the the cover of Normal Girl by SZA. So I'm definitely excited for him to bounce back. He wasn't pleased with his True to Self project. We didn't think it was as good as Trap Soul. So you know he's he's out for redemption, and I think. Any artist that is out for redemption, you know, I'm down to listen because they could bring some of their best work with that motivation behind them. Um, Childish Gambino, so dope. He dropped, he, so a few months ago, he dropped off two tracks, Summertime Magic and Feels Like Summer. He released the music video for Feels Like Summer, and it's it's one of the best music videos of the year. It's It's an animated video. It was illustrated by Justin Richberg, who, look him up on Twitter, because he has a lot of cool artwork that you may have seen before in the same, you know, medium, that animation. Um, But the video is an animated Childish Gambino just walking down the street. He doesn't, like, stray at any point. But the, the rest of the video is what 
makes it exciting because it features a bunch of hip-hop, R&B, and just cultural icons throughout the entire video, all animated. You know, you can draw conclusions from what they're doing in the video. Like, at one point, Future is running is biking away on a bike and drake is chasing him and gets tired and stops uh kanye west is wearing a make america great again hat with tears streaming down his face and then michelle obama comes up behind him and gives him a hug and he, you know he stops crying you can draw what you want from that uh tiffany haddish and oprah are braiding the hair of lil uzi vert and i believe kalani um Lil Pump and Trippy Red are running around trying to they're they're shown as kids in the in the video and they're running around trying to like you know talk to a bunch of people like 21 Savage, Metro Boomin, um Kodak Black but nobody wants to talk with them except for Soldier Boy and I mean you can draw a conclusion from that that you know they're just kids in this rap game cuz they're new but nobody really messes with them because they don't like their artwork except soldier boy who you could say was like the main inspiration for the type of rap that they're doing like he was one of the people who really made that popular childish gambino is is a genius he really is we know that from atlanta we know that from his music we know that from everything else that he's done and this is no different like this is just as creative as this is america music video but a completely different medium a completely different message and it's you know the end of the summer is here like we got maybe two and a half weeks before summer's over and maybe this video was Charles gambino you know commenting on what we got this summer and like what this summer was about in hip-hop and r&b like Andre 3000 and Big Boy were in the video, Whitney Houston. Like it's it's such it's such a dope video. If you don't look at anything else from this list, definitely watch that video. Um Kanye West is back in Chicago and so while here, he went to WGCI and did like an hour long interview. And in this interview, I mean, I'll say he sounded the most sane that he has in, you know, a long time. Um, he said that he was in town to work on Chance's album, which we expected because Chance did say that. Um, he apologized for the slavery comment. Um, he, you know, he said that, you know, he wasn't blaming mental illness, but he was explaining, you know, his mental illness and apologized for how that comment made people feel. The radio host um, one of the radio hosts of WGCI, she broke down in tears after the apology. Um, he he still feels the same way and supports Trump. Can't really explain why. They asked him, they tried, he couldn't really explain why. But he apologized for what was obviously the most disastrous thing that he's done lately. I don't have much to say about this interview. I will say that I, I respect that he apologized. It didn't look like that was ever going to happen. I I appreciate that apology and I accept it but at the same time I don't think it's going to change anything of my views of Kanye as of late um you know it's it was more than that comment that really sent me over the the edge um with Kanye but I do I do appreciate that he took the time to apologize for that because it was ridiculous so watch the interview um, if you want to, you know, get a little bit more into Kanye's head, it was an hour long. Um, it was very weird, but at the same time, you know, he talked about Drake and Pusha T. So there's there's some stuff in there. So definitely check that out. Um, Tyler the Creator released a couple new 
um, well, not new, a couple instrumentals, one called Puff, one called Bucket, and they both seem to be instrumentals from the, the Cherry Bomb sessions of the album before Flower Boy. Um, and they're dope. Like, Tyler is making really amazing music nowadays. Um, so definitely check out those instrumentals. Um, last in the things, I guess this isn't really a thing that you should check out. We can just roll right into the announcements at Rumor Mill. It seems that a Drake and Kanye West beef is heating up. Like, Pusha T already, he, he beat Drake. But Drake is, he's seemingly redirecting everything towards Kanye, which, I mean, may be where the the bulk of his his anger was anyway. He's rumored to be taking some shots at Kanye on a new track called No Silas with French Montana. Um, and at the same time, Kanye got on Twitter to apologize for all the negative energy with Drake. Um, here are some tweets that he he tweeted. He said, sending good energy and love to Drake and family and crew. Haven't seen the show, talking about the Scorpion tour in person, but the images look incredible online. I understand where the confusion started. Let me start by apologizing for stepping on your release date in the first place. We were building a bond and working on music together, including squashing the issues with Cuddy at our office. When I put the dates up, I was a bit ramped up doing 25 tweets a day. TMZ happened shortly after. That was the slavery is a choice comment. I have to hop on the plane now. I will type more when I land. Uh, because we spoke about doing Lift Yourself, that was the dope beat that he decided to just poopity scoop over. Um, because we spoke about doing Lift Yourself together, I should have given you the opportunity for us to do this together before I released it. Since we were building as friends and brothers, I should have spoken to Pusha about the Quentin Miller bar. There should have been no songs with my involvement that had any negative energy towards you. So I think he's talking about Infrared that Pusha, that, that restarted the beat between Pusha and Drake from the Daytona album. He said, I never listened to either diss track that followed, but I did hear quotes from both songs after they were released. He's talking about Duppy Freestyle. He's talking about, uh, I think, Story of Adidon. I did not have any conversations about your child with Pusha. I don't play with the idea of people's children after I spoke to Wiz a few years earlier. I understand Pusha's issues as a man. If someone mentions your fiance, men go mask off. I've done the same myself at times. I love you and I love Pusha and we all have an admiration for each other's craft. This is all Jedi level. I'll be coming to your show within the next seven days to give love and be inspired by the art you have created. Now, Kanye is doing a lot here to apologize to Drake. And so the rumors, and I don't believe this, the, everybody is going crazy on the internet with their ridiculous theories that, that Drake uh, had sex with Kim Kardashian. And that's the dirt that he has on Kanye. That's part of the song that he would have released that would have ended Kanye's career that would have took him out. And Jay Prince was like, nah, you can't do that. I don't believe that. You know, people are using his his words like in one of the songs he said, I crept down the block, you know, cut the lights. And, you know, Kanye lives down. Kanye and Kim live down the street from Drake. They're saying, I don't believe it. I, I don't even want to give any more time and energy to that theory. But I do think that Drake has something on Kanye. And it's starting to make me believe this Jay Prince thing and the fact that that Drake actually did have a track that was going to come more at Kanye than Pusha T. Um, because, you know, rumors of Drake releasing, you know, or throwing some shots at Kanye on a new song. Kanye immediately getting on Twitter and, like, saying all of this. Like, it seems like he's trying to avoid some smoke in the near future. And so... I'm very interested to see where that all goes. I'll just say that. 
Um, we'll we'll see where it goes. I mean, nothing will erase Pusha T's W over Drake. But if Drake wants to start war with Kanye, look, I don't care. Bring it. I want I want some I want some I want some hip hop pop beef. Like let's go. Um, some more announcements. J. Cole announced the Dreamville Festival, the first ever. Um, it's going to be in uh, North Carolina, of course, in Raleigh. The lineup is J. Cole, SZA, Big Sean, Young Thug, Nelly, Rich the Kid, Tiana Taylor, uh, DeVito, Boz, J.I.D., Rhapsody, Kaz, Saba, Earth Gang, Ari Lennox, Omen, YBN Corday, Loot, King Mez, and probably some more people. Like, yo, I really wish I had the time to just pop up in Raleigh, North Carolina in 10 days because that sounds like an amazing lineup. Like, that's a lot of people that I would really love to see in person. Um, so if you're from North Carolina, you need you need to be there. There's no other place you need to be on September 15th than at the Dreamville Festival. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah Rashad, who is a TDE uh, signee, said that he heard damn near a whole new Kendrick album. And Top Dog also said that Two new albums are coming this year, but he's trying for four. So I would guess that the two new ones are definitely Schoolboy Q and J-Rock already dropped. Maybe Absol. We haven't gotten anything from him in a while. And then maybe he's trying for Kendrick and maybe trying for SZA. I don't know. Schoolboy Q for sure. But if we get a new Kendrick album this year, I would be surprised. But you never know with Top Dog and TDE. So look out for that. Um, Belly um, also announced a new album on October 12th called Immigrant. Um, you know, immigration is a topic that's close to Belly's heart because he immigrated from Palestine to Canada with his family when he was seven. Um, he launched an immigrant shirt in July as a way to protest families being separated at the border and donated 100% of the profits to American Civil Liberties Union and International Rescue Committee. And he said, with everything going on, I can't sit by and say nothing. I decided to speak my truth. My album is now called Immigrant. It's out on October 12th. Now, homie homie is a spitter. He's a great songwriter. I think this album is going to be dope. You definitely want to check check, uh, check out this album. Uh, let's go into the upcoming and recently released album. Uh, Baj dropped off his Milky Way project on the 24th of August. It's dope. It is very dope dreamville for sure you can hear the dreamville inspiration in it you can hear that he has he has tapped into his own sound you know from too high to riot to milky way it's a fantastic project listen to it uh eminem dropped off his surprise album kamikaze uh last week on the 31st i'm just gonna say a few things about this album because it's all over the place like in the in the media I think lyrically Eminem is still one of the best there is, if not the best, but that does not make him the best rapper of all time or the best artist of all time. Some of the songs on this album just aren't good, and it's not because of, of the lyrics. His bars are always there. The, the problem is, like, how old is Eminem and the fact that he made an entire album because people didn't like his last album, Revival? Like, he has some skits in there where Paul, and I, I don't even know if this was, I think this was a real call from Paul Rosenberg, his manager, to M saying, like, yo, you're on a slippery slope. You're making an album because people didn't like your last album. Like, what's next? Kamikaze 2, where you, you know, come at people who didn't like your, your album about not liking your last album. And 
I know he put those skits on there to be funny, but maybe he should listen to Paul because that's ridiculous. Like, he's too old for this. Like, Tyler, the creator, said that his revival album was whack, and so he dropped a derogatory F-bomb on Tyler, the creator, to come at him, possibly coming out on his album, and said that he was whack. Like, it's... Like, come on, bro. You're still... You're still calling people that in 2018 after everything you've learned about the derogatory and offensive things he's done in his music. He furthered a beef with Machine Gun Kelly, which, I mean, that beef might be understandable. It stems from, like, Machine Gun Kelly saying that he wanted to have sex with M's daughter when she was 16, even though he said it was, like, like no no diss to M. Eminem didn't like that. Um... I think he came in Machine Gun Kelly in the past. Machine Gun Kelly came back at M. So Eminem, you know, started this beef back up with MGK on the album. He's got Joe Budden on Joe Budden's podcast saying that he's been better than Eminem for this entire decade. Like, he just started a lot of mess that didn't need to be started. And, like, he just sounds like a little kid that's mad that people... Like, honestly, him and Nicki Minaj... They have a lot in common. Nicki Minaj mad at Travis Scott because she didn't get her number her number one album. Still talking about that. She went on Ellen talking about she wanted to punch Travis in his face. Eminem up here, people didn't like his revival album, so he's whining and he made an entire album, you know, dissing people because he wants to, you know, prove that he's still the greatest. Lyrically, it was great how he hopped on beats that these mumble rappers champion and he spit over them. But I don't feel any differently about Kamikaze than I did about Revival. Like, yes, lyrically, bars. That first track, The Ringer, fantastic. Um, and there was another track on there where it was like, yo, he's really spitting. I think it was that joint with Joyner Lucas. Um, and then even, I think, one with Royce to 5'9". There were like maybe three tracks that I would absolutely listen to again because he was spitting. And that's what I, that's what I do like from Eminem. But this whole, you know coming at people who didn't like their album, calling them derog- like derogatory names. It's just, it's petty and it's childish. And like, we don't need that from Eminem at this, at this age. Like, what are you doing? But anyway, that's, that's all I'm going to say about Kamikaze. I'm, I'm done. I'm not even going to mention that album again. Um, Bun B dropped off a new album, Return of the Trill, last week. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet, but um, I'm definitely excited for it. Um... No Name is dropping off her album, Room 25, sometime this month. Uh, Black uh, announced that his album, East Atlanta Love Letter, will be coming out September 14th. Logic is dropping off Young Sinatra 4 on September 28th. Um, That is it for the upcoming and recently released albums. That is it for the Press Play segment. After a short break, I'll be right back with the Dig Deeper segment. Let's get the celebration started. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. It is now time for the Dig Deeper segment. It is the 100th episode. And so I just want to reflect on, you know, the past 100 episodes of Thinking Outside the Boombox. You know, I'm very, very proud to have gotten here. You know, I've learned a lot. 
um, in these past three years, you know, when I started, the audio wasn't this good, you know, the editing wasn't this good, your boy, you know, I've had so many different iterations, you know, I was doing the back in the day segment, you know, but then realized, I mean, that was when I was doing, um, on, on this day, things that had happened in hip hop, um, in R and B, you know, in the, in the genres, you know, in the culture, but then realized that the longer I did this, that those things were going to be repetitive. Um, same with the, this day in hip hop and R and B where I was just, um, showing you what songs and albums were at the top of the charts on, you know, the day that I did the podcast, but at the same time that started to get repetitive because, you know, it's, the the time just rotates and then I'm going to be back in the same month talking about the same albums. Um, so, you know, it was figuring out how, you know, how to give, you know, the listeners, you all, something that could enrich you and your, your playlist, things like that. That's how the song of the week formed. It was like, well, I've got a lot of, a lot of songs that I, and music that I like that I would like to share you know, with the listeners, so song of the week, got rid of the back in the day, got rid of this day in hip-hop and R&B, your boy got a soundboard, you feel me? Bam, soundboard, you know, we out here, you know, we out here for real, this is legit over here, um, but yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm very excited for this past uh, 100 episodes, we've done a lot, you know, you know, started an award show, two iterations of that, you know, had lots of guests come through the studio and give their opinions. Um, and that's one of the things I've learned for sure. Um, in a hundred episodes is that I really enjoy having guests on the podcast. And that's one of the things I'm going to look forward to in the future is finding ways to get my friends and other people involved in the podcast because, Look, that's why this all started. I love hip-hop and R&B. You know, R&B, old-school R&B specifically, is like one of my favorite genres of music with hip-hop coming in at a very close second. I love listening to it. I love reading about it. I love hearing about it. I love talking about it. And so what better way to, you know, explore that passion than to do this podcast and share, you know, the knowledge that I have and the, the things that I discover with you all to, you know, give you all something more. Um, and so I especially enjoy talking about hip hop and R and B with my friends and those conversations are just so much easier to have, you know, when I'm not just talking to myself. You know, as much as I love to hear the sound of my own voice, um, and doing this podcast, I love, you know, having spirited conversations you know, with guests on the show. So I'm going to, you know, definitely try to do more of that in the future. You know, I'm going to try to do, I realize that, you know, a lot of the episodes have become album reviews because the music has been coming fast and heavy. And so most episodes have been album reviews, but I want to get back to, you know, some of the more, um, you know, some of the more, uh, intellectual conversations um, and like you know research heavy you know episodes that I've done in the past like more artists, <laughs> artists, 
that, you know, I could be shouting out and giving their history. So I want to do more artist spotlights in the next 100 episodes. I want to do more Where's the Beef segments. There's been a lot of hip-hop and, you know, maybe not as many as R&B, but a lot of hip-hop beefs, you know, in the history of hip-hop. So let's let's talk about those. I want to do more of those. You know, I want to bring more cool interactive segments with the guests. Like, I'm all about continuing to grow. I don't want to be stagnant you know i want i want this to be fresh you know every every episode that you hear i want you to get something new out of it so mainly i am grateful that you know my day ones are still here i'm grateful for all the new people that have you know joined the thing outside the boombox you know listener group like i'm so um you know thankful for you all listening you know week in week out um i'm excited for what is to come um and you know i'm i'm excited to grow more you know and be able to take this podcast to the next level in the next you know 100 episodes like you know maybe let's let's get a sponsor let's get let's get you know you know let's get some sponsors you know some 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 codes you know so it could be code t-o-t-b you go to i don't know me undies.com put in t-o-t-b i mean don't actually do that i don't, I don't have a code i don't i don't me undies is not a sponsor but it would be great if they were i mean i like me undies and all of that um so i'm very very excited for the next iterations of thinking outside the boombox so what i wanted to do uh next in this um dig deeper segment is to just um revisit you know some of my favorite moments from the past 100 uh episodes you know we've talked about a lot um discussed a lot so i just want to revisit some of the things that i enjoy talking about the most in the past 100 episodes and what better place to start than episode one track number one was the title top five um and in the dig deeper segment for that episode i talked about what my top five who my top five artists were Top five favorite artists were in no particular order for hip-hop and R&B. For hip-hop, it was Tupac, Kanye, Jay-Z, Outkast, Kendrick Lamar. And so, you know, I I thought about it. I was like, well, for the 100th episode, it's great to look back on that and see if that is still the same. Three years later, 100 episodes in, is that still my top five? And I have to say, for the most part... It still is. Tupac, yes, still there. Jay-Z, yes, still there. Outkast, yes, still there. Kendrick Lamar, definitely still there. The only question mark I have is Kanye. Because, you know, beyond, you know, the most recent stuff, old, old Kanye, as we'll call him, is still one of my favorite artists of all time. So it's like, is his most recent music and most recent, um, you know, exploits enough to knock him out of my top five. And, you know, when it comes to top five, I'm sticking, I want to stick to the music, you know, so that makes it a little bit easier. And, you know, I will say that musically, Kanye is still there. You know, if I had to order these, he's definitely towards the end of the list. But, you know, 
for the most part, minus like his last couple albums, Kanye musically hasn't really failed me, and his his old catalog is still enough to keep him to keep him on this list. But at the same time, you know, the those honorable mentions, maybe those artists in the six and seven slots, they're they're creeping up. And um, I'm trying to I tried to think about like. Who would replace Kanye, if anyone? And it's, I think I would have to say that it's J. Cole for me. Um, I think J. Cole is one of the best MCs out right now. Um, you know, I think he has made a lot of really great music, especially over his last three albums. Um, and he's made good music before that too, you know, from his mixtape projects. So if anybody was gonna, you know, knock Kanye off of my top five pedestal for hip hop, I think it would be J. Cole. But for the most part, um, for the most part, uh, my top five in hip hop has remained the same. Now for R&B, uh, in episode one, I had Luther Vandross, Alicia Keys, Music Soul Child, Raheem Devon, and John Legend. Now, this list hasn't changed that much either, except for for one person. And now I want to I want to play a clip of something that I said in episode one. Raheem Devon in my top five. There's nothing that's gonna change that. He's not coming out. Shout out to him. So basically I said Raheem Devon is going to stay in my top five R&B no matter what. Nothing's going to change that. Well, going to have to renege on that promise because that is the one replacement I had to make. Um, My top five R&B is now Luther Vandross, Alicia Keys, Erica Badu, John Legend, and Music Soul Child. It's nothing that Raheem Devon did. It's just that, you know, I really realized how much I love Erica Badu and her music. And look, the queen, she had to, she had to take his place. Sorry, Raheem. Still love your music. You're still a very dope R&B artist. You're at the number six for sure. But Erica Badu has entered into my top five. And you know, that's just one of the thing about these top fives. They aren't permanent. You know, your favorites can switch over time and you know for the most part mine didn't but there were you know a few artists that you know I really you know grew to love more over the past three years um and so that's why you know I love having those top five conversations with people um to see who they like and why um so you know it was just fun to revisit that and see you know if I stayed true to the artists that I really rock with and for the most part I did um, another, another favorite moment of mine was track number five. That was, um, when I talked about, um, whether hip hop artists were doing enough to support the Black Lives Matter movement. That hip hop has become very mainstream and that, you know, it's become harder for these artists to really you know, voice their opinion because, the, like, since hip-hop has become such a large thing and, you know, 
it's about a career and a brand, you know, artists are becoming scared to, you know, speak out on things because of, you know, the opposition and, you know, what that would look like for them, you know, if maybe they slip up and say the wrong thing and things like that. Um, you know, so I do think, you know, and I do think that artists, you know, they're making music right now, you know, selling this American dream, but, you know, none of that relates to, you know, the majority of people that listen to hip hop. And, you know, that's really a sad thing. But, you know, at the same time, I do think that there are lots of artists who are putting out music and using their voice and their platform to get this message across. One of my favorite songs from last year was Be Free by J. Cole. And, you know, I want to play a few songs for you, you know, songs of hip hop artists who are speaking out about, you know, and against the status quo and against, you know, what's happening to black people in our society. So here's Be Free by J. Cole. themselves and I think that there are plenty of artists out there who are like that um it's it would just be nice to see you know more and more you know actively supporting you know this important movement that was one of my favorite episodes for sure and a topic that is still um very prevalent you know, today, you know, not much has changed in the past, you know, three years. Um, definitely check out that episode because I did play, you know, a few more songs by artists who I think are actually speaking up. So that was track number five, Speak Up. Um, done a lot of artist spotlights. You know, I, like I said, I want to do more, you know, in the coming year in the next episodes. But we spotlighted Travis Scott. The Weeknd, Chance the Rapper, Jameson, Vic Mensa, 
Um, Alicia Keys got her whole her own episode, um, the Alicia Keys episode. Daniel Caesar, and then of course, most recently, the Little Homies. Um, so you know that's a lot of people and a lot who are definitely you know on top right now and are are super hot and you know we did I did those spotlights you know when you know not a lot of people knew about them so I'm excited to do that for more artists um another exciting episode was track number 12 New York's finest and that was you know one of the most uh you know, extensive Where's the Beef segments that I've done so far on the podcast. Jay-Z versus Nas. I'm going to give you a detailed timeline of how it started, how it ended, what happened, when, where, why. I'm going to get into all of that. So let's jump right into this beef because we've got a lot to cover. Hey, where's the beef? So Sean Carter versus Nazir Jones. Um, Jay-Z and Nas's beef is one of the most talked about beefs in hip-hop history. Um, it brought us two of the greatest diss songs, and it also saw the introduction of ether as a verb. Um, so it all started, so when Notorious B.I.G. was killed in 1997, you know, a spot opened up with regards to who was the best rapper in New York, who was the king of New York. Now, obviously, both Jay-Z and Nas thought that they deserved the title. Um, at the point of Biggie's death, um, Jay-Z had released Reasonable Doubt um, and was selling off the charts. Reasonable Doubt was, you know, already heralded as a classic at this point. Um, Nas had already released Illmatic, his best album, and his second album, It Was Written. So they were easily two of the hottest New York artists in the game at the time. So how did the beef start? Well, in 1996, Nas was supposed to be on Reasonable Doubt, um, but he didn't show up to record his verse. Um, instead, that's why Jay ended up sampling Nas um, for Dead Presidents 2. Um, there were obviously some hurt feelings. Nas wasn't supposed to be on Dead Presidents 2. It was a different song, but you know they were like, we're going to get some Nas on this album. So they sampled him um, for Jay-Z's classic Dead Presidents 2 song. Um, in 1997, Jay-Z dropped Where I'm From and The City Is Mine on his album In My Lifetime, Volume 1. Um, he dropped that about eight months after Big's death in November of 97. Um, and, you know, he's basically laying his claim to the throne in New York. So, yeah, Jay was laying early claim to the throne. He's like, well, somebody's got to be the best. It's going to be me. Um, so a couple years later, in 1999, in typical fashion, Cruz began to instigate the beef. Um, Memphis Bleak, who was like Jay's protege at the time, began to take shots at Nas. And Memphis Bleak and Nas went back and forth on the songs like Memphis Bleak's What You Think of That and Mine Right. And then Nas's Nostradamus and We Will Survive. Now, on We Will Survive, Nas discussed, like, the makings of another large beef after Biggie and Tupac and how artists claim to be kings in New York are fraud. And this was thought to be a subliminal shot at Jay-Z. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's fair to think that that was about Jay-Z, which it was. Um, but, you know, at the same time, he was paying tribute to Big, saying, look, you were the greatest. Now that you're gone, you know, these niggas suck. 
Um, I don't know if there is any beef that can really get, you know, as detailed as Jay-Z versus Nas, except for Tupac and Biggie, which is one that, you know, I've been planning in my head to do for a long time. And I think within the next 100 episodes is definitely the time to get it done. But Jay-Z versus Nas, check out track number 12, New York's Finest, to get the full rundown of how that beef started and ended. Um, Other favorite moments um, from the past 100 episodes, I've done a lot of lists, you know, and especially one of my favorite things to do is those year-end wrap-ups, and that's the top 40 songs of the year and the top 20 albums of the year. And, you know, on the podcast, we've gotten through three iterations of both of those while, you know, I've been doing it for about, I want to say five or six years. You know, I started on the blogs before, you know, I did the podcast. But, you know, 2015, 2016, and 2017 were all done on the podcast. And I just wanted to you know, do a little montage of the best songs and albums from the past three years. So finally, we made it to the end. The number one song of 2015 is All Right featuring Pharrell by Kendrick Lamar. Now for the number one song of the year. You should already know by what has been omitted what this song is. Drum roll. Uh, 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 uh. The number one song of the year is Formation by Beyonce off of Lemonade. So here we are. The moment of truth. The best song of 2017 for me, in my humble opinion, is DNA by Kendrick Lamar off of Damn. And... Number one is To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. There was no there was no other choice. This was solidified as soon as I heard it. Um, Kendrick delivered another classic album this year, To Pimp a Butterfly. It incorporates elements of funk, jazz, blues, hip-hop, R&B, everything. It's not confined, you know, to one box, to one genre, You know, Kendrick was willing to take risks and try a lot of different things on this album. You know, it's a movie. When you listen to this album, you're transported to a different world. You know, but it's one that's familiar and it's one that really makes you feel, really makes you understand the struggle, makes you laugh, makes you cry, inspire. Let's jump into the number one album. I don't need a drum roll. I'm just having fun with it. Coloring Book by Chance the Rapper is my number one album slash project slash mixtape, whatever you want to call it, of 2016. And I will defend that like to the ground. I think it is number one. Nobody had a better year than Chance the Rapper. No one. Here we are. Number one. You all know what it is. You all knew what it was going to be. And that's because this album has been holding down the hip-hop stage since April. And there have been many albums who have tried to knock it off the top spot, but have failed. And that's because this album is that good. 
my number one album of the year is Damn by Kendrick Lamar. Look, Kendrick has become one of the most compelling artists over the past five years. He consistently finds a way to feed the streets, the radio, the old heads, all at the same time while not watering down his product and releasing conceptual projects full of substance. Damn continues that trend. <laughs> a lot of the same people at the top, huh? You know, songs. 2015, we had All Right by Kendrick. 2016, Formation by Beyonce. 2017, DNA by Kendrick. Albums. 2015, To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick. 2016, Coloring Book by Chance. 2017, Damn by Kendrick. I mean, if I've learned one thing in the thing in the past three years is that I can always count on Kendrick to drop a classic album and a dope song of the year on that album. Um, so you know, it's it's really interesting to see you know the the artists, the songs, the albums that you know have claimed the top spot in these past one hundred episodes. Um, another. Uh, or lots of other exciting things that we've done in the past uh, 100 episodes. One, track 75 through 78, the Kanye bracket. You know, this was before Mr. West lost favor, you know, with this podcast. But that was one of the most exciting things that I did on the podcast. It was started on Twitter, a, uh, you know... March Madness style bracket of 64 of Kanye's best songs and then a tournament to decide what was his best song. And, you know, I started it by myself. I brought in the wife. I brought in Joe um, so that, you know, it wasn't just my biased opinion the entire time um, uh, to make the decisions. Um, So they helped me narrow things down. And at the end of the day, it only it it came down to one song. You know, it was very tough to choose between um, 64 of Kanye West songs. And, you know, this was before the Yay album, where if you had thrown some of those on there, it might have made the. It might have made the decisions a little bit easier, but, you know, that wasn't out yet. So I had to deal with what I got. And at the end of the day, it came down to Through the Wire by Kanye West. Um, So that was an exciting moment, being able to, you know, engage my friends and family and have discussions about Kanye's best songs. Um, There's track number 64, October for the Win. Um, October of 2017 was a heavy release time for music. Um, 15 albums came out that month that I thought deserved to be mentioned and discussed. So in track number 64, I discussed all 15 of those albums. That was an exciting episode for me. Track number 35 was the one-year anniversary show. I had the wife and Joe on, and we did a roundtable discussion. Each of us brought... Two, episodes, two albums to the table. All of us listened to all six of those albums total, and then we had a discussion about all of them. That was Blank Face LP by Schoolboy Q, um, No Hard Feelings by Dreezy, Freetown Sound by Blood Orange, um, Heaven by Jamila Woods, which 
actually, on this podcast, I had been saying Jamila Woods, and then in one of her songs on Heaven, she says that her name has a long eye. So I was like, oh, I've been saying it wrong. It's Jamila Woods. So then I started saying Jamila Woods, which when I re-listened to this track number 35, the one-year anniversary show, I said Jamila Woods on it. Um... And then we went to Afropunk, and she called herself Jamila Woods. So I'm completely confused. Um, I mean, I guess it's Jamila since I heard it from her mouth, but her music threw me off. Anyway, I just had to get that off my chest. Um, Heaven by uh, Jamila Woods. Um, What else did we talk about? Bobby Tarantino by Logic. And the sixth one was Black Summer's Night by Maxwell. So, um... I really enjoyed that, and that is something that I think I'm going to bring back in the coming year is that roundtable discussion everybody brings to albums. We all listen to it and we discuss because, you know, I I really like the spontaneity of it. You know, it's not really planned except you listen to the album and you bring your thoughts. Um, so that's an exciting concept that I want to revisit in the, the coming episodes. Um. Track number 41, Citizens Cope. Um, Trump had just got elected, and I thought the one of the best things I could do from you know this platform, this medium, is to create a playlist um, to help everybody cope because you know that was a a a pretty terrible day uh, and week um, for a lot of people in this country. Um, so I decided to use some of the things that I was good at, which is, you know, crafting music that goes together and that can fit moods. Um, and I created a playlist. So, um, that playlist is still one of the best playlists I've ever made. So track number 41, Citizens Cope, definitely check that out, um, to listen to that playlist. And I'm pretty sure if you look at the liner notes of that podcast, you'll find a way to download that, uh, that playlist, but I'm pretty sure I played the entire thing in the podcast. So. Um, you can just listen to track 41 to get that. Um, track number 20, Yeezus Take the Wheel. This was um, definitely before Kanye started tripping, but Joe and I did a deep dive into Kanye the musician. But none of Kanye's albums speak to me as much as the college dropout does. Man. Like... It really saw departure from the popular music back then, which was like the gangster music. Like you had all of these like thug rappers like out here, like real gangsters. Some of them fake gangsters perpetrating, but you know, music was like real hardcore and street. Um, and Kanye came out with this introspective music, relatable lyrics over these soul sampled hip hop beats. Um, and it was interesting, like, because gang, mu- gang music and gangster rap was so popular, like, he couldn't, he was trying to get a record deal, but because gangster rap was popular, record labels were looking at Kanye like, yo, you're not, you're not thug enough for this. You're not <laughs> gangster enough for this. Um, but eventually Rockefeller gave him a chance and he dropped The College Dropout, which is his best-selling album. Um, what are some thoughts you have about The College, college Dropout? College Dropout. Like, honestly, I feel like... This one was the hardest to even pick out my favorite song. Yeah. Honestly, 
Um, the way it flowed, uh, the intros was that that was Bernie Mac. Was that Bernie Mac? It was D. Ray Davis pretending to be Bernie Mac. See, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a that. yeah, that's a common thing. A lot of people didn't know that. They thought that he just had Bernie Mac on there, yeah. but it was actually D. Ray Davis See, like w- pretending to be Bernie. That's was hilarious. pretty hilarious. See, keep learning, like honestly. <laughs> but but man, college dropout was just hilarious. With it was it was funny. It was deep. He he uh you know he had the slow jam in there, um and he just did it, man. He, I I just. I can't do it without naming some tracks. Like it was, it was a few tracks that I was just like, "Yo, I gotta listen to that again. Like, I gotta <laughs> listen to that again." Like, uh, man, it's he kicked it off with "We Don't Care." I was just like, "Oh man." Then you know when he's talking about the skits with the degrees, those are hilarious. yeah. His skits were pretty hilarious, and he he kept that up only through like the first two albums. But yeah, the skits on this one were of this dude named Jimmy, who, you know. <laughs> Degrees, uh, it man, was, it was all about the degrees, man. <laughs> that was he got too. his degrees <laughs> stolen, man. You know, he's he's crazy, man. Oh, they're, man. they're hilarious. Um, you know, this album features some of the best soul sampling I've like man. ever heard. Kanye can take a soul song, flip it, and turn it into something new, better than anybody. Like he took "A House Is Not a Home" by Luther Vandross, flipped it into slow jams. "Through the oh, Fire" man. by Shaka Khan, flipped it into. Um, through the wire, come on, now. distant lover by Marvin Gaye flipped it into spaceship. Like he, come on, he's I, one of the best producers out there. Honestly, easily. like these is one of this was like, um, you know, this was like the first album where me and my brother was like, yo, my parents have to listen to this. Like, yeah, they sampled so much stuff that they knew. Yeah, and I was just like, yo, like this is real rap right here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and like, he's he's real flexible and versatile like that, where anybody can listen to his music and be like, oh, okay, man, I like this and dude. It's like, not he's got like, something for everybody. And you can see past the 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 curse words and listen to what the real message was, because that's a problem with some adults. You know, they 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 True. hear a curse word and they True. just shut down or. You know, but literally, he was spitting some real stuff. Like, I, I was relating to, um, shoot, spaceship, because I were graveyard ships all through college. Right, you know, right. so, you know, you really, I didn't steal anything, you know, in case my bosses <laughs> made it. But, like, but, uh, I just, like, man, like, it, those songs, Workout Plan did, like, that was everybody's song around that time. Mm-hmm. Jesus Walks, that was even on the gospel radio. It was on both. Like, and that's the, the he, thing. He's like, twitched up on us, you know what I mean? You know, you know, lyrically, you know, he was bringing a lot to the table. He had songs about drugs in the community, religion, racism, poverty, yeah. materialism. Like, it was an extremely relatable album. Kanye once said that, you know, he just wanted you to think about everything that you went through in a week, in a regular week, and he's got a song about it on his album. All like falls down, man. Yeah, man. It's a versatile project. You know, he had the hood dudes and the gang members. They could mess with it because, you know, he's got these these dope beats and, you know, he's rapping hard. And then the socially conscious people could eat as well. Like, they could man. also get something from it. Yeah. Um, and just think about the features he had on his debut album. Let me, let me just give you some of these. <laughs> Jay-Z, Talib Kweli, Common, Jamie Foxx, Twista, Most Def. That's to name a few. He what? had a lot more. Most people struggle to get one of those dudes on their album. On his debut album, he had all of them. Like he, you mind know, you, this is 04. Right. So these people were in their prime. Like yep. 
these people were yep. still pulling out their own albums, and they yep. took a chance on this man on his first album. Uh, you know, Joe and I could have talked about Kanye for like three hours. That's how much we love his old music. Um, oh, how the tables have turned. But, you know, if you want to hear a really great discussion about Kanye and, you know, all his old music, we really, we really, really did a deep dive on that one. Um, track number 13, Trap and B, another one of my favorite episodes. Um, like I've mentioned before, uh, R&B and old school R&B is one of my favorite genres of music. And R&B has changed a lot since the 90s, the 80s, the 70s. And so in track number 13, Trap and B, I discussed that evolution. R&B is in a stage that I like to call Trap and B. Or to borrow Bryson Tiller's newest album title, Trap Soul. We'll talk more on him later. But, you know, most mainstream R&B... Um, nowadays and you know from the over the past five years not so much just this year um it's trap influenced with so many hip-hop elements um and it really seems to have strayed from what r&b used to be now this isn't to say that there aren't artists making r&b that resembles the old school um type of r&b now when i talk about old school R&B, I'm talking about artists like, you know, Marvin Gaye, Al Green, Luther Vandross, Lenny Williams, um, Avant, Next, Boys to Men, you know, and you know, when I'm thinking about that type of music, I'm really thinking about songs like this. He resembles um, the style that was prevalent um, back in the day. Um, you know, kind of breaking out of the mold of what R&B has become in this day and age. So I wanted to um, compare music from then to now. Um, you know, it's worth... I took a look at, you know, the charts to see what was on top in different um, years. You know, it's worth noting that while album sales don't necessarily point to what is the best music and you know what was on top of the charts doesn't necessarily point to what is the best music it points to preferences at the time and the music that was selling and you know that's the music that artists were making um they began to trend toward making the music that was selling because you know they wanted the moolah and record labels you know especially as we move from the past you know they began to push artists to make the music that sells um and, you know, this is the artist's livelihood, so they began to follow suit. And artists just started making all the music that, you know, really began to sell. And, and nowadays, Trap and B, you know, this Trap Soul, this new R&B really sells. And, you know, that's what began to happen. Um, you know, record labels and artists, they began to start making a different type of music. Um so that's very interesting. The you know the times have clearly changed as far as R&B music goes and it's worth taking a look at. I just think, you know, it's interesting to see you know what was on the charts back then compared to now. That was a really fun episode. Definitely go back and listen to track number 13 Trap and B. Um 
you know, towards the end there, I looked at, I believe it was 1998, um, or maybe a little bit earlier, and then to whatever year it was when I made the episode, so probably 2015, and then just looked at the top five songs on the charts in both years and just compared them and just had a conversation about the differences in those types of music and like how they're made nowadays and the same for the album. So that was a really exciting um, episode. I love talking about R&B. Um, so definitely check that one out. Another exciting conversation. Um, one of my favorites is track number 65. Is Lupe the greatest lyricist ever? I had um, my homie Joe, my homie Gerald on the podcast, and we just had a discussion about Lupe Fiasco and his claims that he's one of the greatest lyricists of all time. Let's start the conversation about his his bold claim um, that he is possibly the greatest lyricist of all time. Joe, I'm gonna start off with you. What are your What are your initial thoughts when you heard that? Um, shock. Um, I mean, I agree with uh, you believing that you know you producing the best craft, you know, and uh, confidence, but. Man, the best lyricist of all time. That's what's killing me of all time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you would have said like of right now, I'd be like, ah, oh, okay, because this mumble rap is in right now, so it's, it, it ain't hard to be the best rapper lyricist. I'm sorry, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, of all time, I I will have to strongly disagree. I I'm sorry. I, I can name <laughs> a dozen. Um, no, okay. A dozen that are better. Than a, that. Do, a dozen that are better. I can, I can, I can think of a nice carton of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> that are better than him. lyrically. But no, no. I mean, he he's really good though. He's really good. I'm just kidding, but he's he's really good. But I just feel like, man, that's that's bold. Um, yeah, I'm gonna keep it there for right now. I'm gonna keep it there. Okay, okay. Gerald, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of seems after the fact because you know I feel like. I think his most recent works have been his most lyrical, but if we look at where kind of the tide turned with uh, Lasers, that was kind of the breaking point where he kind of decided to just get off the whole mainstream commercial thing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's real hard for him to say best lyricist because I feel like that's different than being the best rapper. Like Wayne said he was the best rapper alive, but no one had a problem with that because he was dropping hot verses left and right in 2008 and all that during that True. time. But to say the best lyricist, I mean – like Joe said, I know plenty of lyricists who are better than Lupe Fiasco, and I just feel like that kind of doesn't um, it doesn't help him at all. Also, considering you know, bad case of Twitter fingers makes you look real suspect, and uh, yeah. he's the latest culprit. That's true. Hey, I agree with that, but I also want to throw out there that a lot of time the best lyricists aren't the best. I mean, aren't the most known pop culture. Very true. You know what I mean? Like, the best lyricists aren't... He is right. The best lyricists aren't worried about hits. True. They just worried about putting in, like, what they're gifted at. Mm-hmm. You know, they not worried about features. They just like, look, I'm a poet at heart. This is what I do. I lo-, you know what I mean? Like, they're not, they're not out for hits and singles and stuff like that. They mm-hmm. just dropping bars and going back to working at a factory or something. Yeah. But I also feel like, you know, he said he didn't care about making good music. I feel like that's kind of part of it. Like, you can be a dope lyricist, but, like, you don't have to make a hit necessarily, but you kind of want to make good music, if that makes sense. I feel like that president yeah. just doesn't really 
I don't really know what he's trying to say because if he doesn't want to make good music, why doesn't he just write poetry? That's a good point. That's a, that's that doesn't make sense too. I mean, I feel like it is kind of contradicting yourself. You know what I mean? Because it's like, dog, like if you were a good lyricist, you could think of a good hook. like i don't know i I don't i don't know i don't know i I was kind of conflicted that's where like look if you want to be the 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 best at something like you put your all like you don't just take off like certain aspects of your song just because you like well you know everything else is great but you know you want you want a hit I mean, you want to hit every. You can't lie and say you don't want to hit. Everybody wants to hit. That means more money. That means more bookings. You know what I mean? Uh, you know that was a pretty great conversation um, that the three of us had. That and it may not end the way you think that is going to end. So definitely check out um, uh, track number sixty-five. Uh, Whether Lupe is the greatest lyricist of all time. Um, you know, Alicia Keys isn't the same artist that she once was. So I decided to honor her as one of my favorite artists of all time. Track number 36 was the Alicia Keys episode. I dedicated, devoted it to her. Um, definitely check out track number 36 to, you know, go back in time to when Alicia Keys was really making some of the best music out there. Um, track number 33, you know, a lot of you, a lot of people might not know about kids these days, but they were a, uh, Chicago band and group, hip hop band, hip hop group, um, where Vic Mensa really got his start, where people really knew his name. Um, they went their separate ways, but I decided in track number 33, remembering kids these days to discuss, um, them, their band and the amazing music that they made. Now, two of the final episodes that I want to discuss, two of my favorites. The first is track number 40, um, which I believe it was called 20 Years Ago. Um, That was my Tupac tribute episode. Um, It was like a day after the 20th anniversary of his death. Tupac is my number one artist of all time. Um, So in track number 40, I just wanted to spend some time discussing Tupac, his his impact impact in the rap game, in hip-hop, in the culture in general. So another thing that a lot of people talk about with Tupac was this duality within him. Because as far as uh, his rapping and what he rapped about... There were there were two sides, you know, there was a sensitive, you know, loving side of Tupac that could make songs like Dear Mama and stuff like that. And then there was this very aggressive, um, violent, you know, misogynistic side of Tupac um, that can make songs like Strictly for My Niggas and, you know, like songs like that and, and picture me rolling. And, you know, um, so there was a duality. And which is fine, like that's allowed a lot of people, especially in hip hop, have those dualities. Um, A lot of people questioned how genuine it was. So, you know, there was a quote from an an article I read that said, uh, since Tupac's unforgettable performance as Bishop and Juice, 
he's often been accused of acting out the bishop role in his real life. A better way to think of it is that he was so committed to his art that it bled into his life or that because he hated so passionately, he could also love with equal force. His gift for telling a soulful story uh, let him tap into something so real and so universal that he still left or he still felt throughout the world all these years after his death. Um, and I thought that was very interesting. I, I don't think that Tupac was acting on both sides of this this coin. It seemed that he was being genuine. It just seemed that he was a very conflicted person, someone who loved very passionately and loved the things that he loved, his people, his his family, his friends, but at the same time recognized the streets that he grew up in and the the people that he was around and he he was able to be on both sides and he he never hid anything in his music. A lot of people have a lot of things and a lot of emotions going on inside of them and Tupac laid all of that. I'll never get tired of talking about Tupac Shakur. That's just a fact. Um amazing artist. If you want to hear me, you know, talk more in detail about Tupac, not just his music, but like movies like poetry, like all of that, um, definitely check out track number 40, 20 years ago. And then the final um, moment that I want to um, discuss is the very first bridge episode I made. So the abridged episode were generally when the episodes weren't, um, they didn't feature all the segments that they usually do. So if I didn't do a Dig Deeper segment or I only did a short Dig Deeper segment. I just made those abridged episodes. They got their own title. So the very first one I did was Bridge Number One, Memories. And in Memories, I was talking about how music and experiences and memories can shape your musical preferences. Music is so interesting because really everyone can get something different from it. And music is so intertwined and connected with feeling and memories. Um, For instance, I'll never forget, I don't remember exactly the the year, the exact year. But judging by the albums we had in rotation, you know, I've got an idea. So, you know, I'll never forget visiting family in Texas one year for the summer um, there were three albums we had in rotation. Confessions by Usher, um, which was released in 04. Speaker Box, The Love Below by Outkast, which was released in 2003, I believe. Um, and The Diary of Alicia Keys, um, which was also released in 2003, like late 2003. Um, and so, so this had to be around, I want to say, oh, four, maybe we were a little late to the train and it was oh, five. I don't know. But, you know, those three albums were what we had in rotation all summer. That was our summer playlist. Um, and so when I think about either of those albums, I think about the times I had when I was in Texas that summer. And the fun that I had. You know, it's weird. So to this day, whenever I hear like Can You Handle It by Usher 
or Roses by Outkast or Diaries by Alicia Keys, you know, it sparks a memory from that summer. And it's, you know, it's so weird how music can do that. But, you know, it explains a lot as far as preferences and how people feel about music. So that, you know, I could have had a great summer listening to Confessions by Usher. And, you know, that great summer and Confessions by Usher are now, you know, connected. They're the same thing. So when I think of that summer and I think great things about that summer, I think great things about that album. But someone else, you know, could have been in the car or Usher could have, that album could have been on in the car when, I don't know, they got in a fight with their best friend. And now that album is connected in a different way. Um, So it's interesting how, you know, memories and situations can affect the way you feel about music. And I just think music is interesting that way. And it's just a weird thing. I honestly wish I could study more on it and maybe I will. So that was one of my favorite episodes because of the topic, but also because I may have telegraphed the Song of the Week sampler series like three years earlier. Um, And one of the episodes a few weeks ago, um, I did a sampler series, but um, I didn't do the press play segment on the podcast. I only featured it in the newsletter. So... Apparently, three years ago, I did, without it being called the Sampler Series, I mentioned in the Song of the Week, you know, this exact same duo of songs, the song that was sampled and the song that um, did the sampling um, in this bridge episode. So I thought it was fitting that I, you know, telegraphed the Sampler Series so long ago and also that you all actually, unless you looked at the newsletter, you didn't get to hear the combo on the episode. So, um, here is their, your second song uh, of the week sampler series from three years ago in the Bridge Number One Memories episode. Second song of the week um, to switch it up a little bit is "Comfortable" featuring Babyface by Lil Wayne. Um, you know, it's interesting. This song actually has a lot of um, memory connected to it for me. When, um, I don't remember when this happened. I was in high school and I got my very first internship with Build, which was a program under After School Matters here in Chicago, um, where basically I worked in the Humble Park area um, with a kids program during the summer, um, basically as like basically like a camp counselor um, with I think a little bit less responsibility, but that's pretty much what I did. Um, and I don't know if, no, nah, that had to be. I think the Carter 3 had come out recently, um, but I was listening a lot to that. And it's one of my favorite Lil Wayne projects, um, pivotal moment in his career, I believe, as well. Um, and Comfortable is one of the songs on the Carter 3. Um, I could have chosen a lot of songs off of um, this album. I think it's a great album, but this one resonated with me a lot because of the, of the production and the sample. So, um, Kanye West produced this song, um, 
And Kanye West also, this is funny, everything ties back in. Kanye West also produced uh, You Don't Know My Name off of the Diary of Alicia Keys album. Um, So really, these memories are all connecting. Um, And so what Kanye did, there's like a piece, it's just like instrumentation at the end of You Don't Know My Name. Kanye took that, made it into the um you know melody and part of the beat for comfortable and you know it just blows my mind when stuff like that happens no music is so weird i you know when i listen to that song i get you know visions in my mind of some of the artwork and the graffiti that i saw in humble park because i would listen to this album while I was on the bus going, you know, to this internship that summer. Like, I don't know, man. Music music is too dope. It's too dope. Shout out to Alicia Keys, Kanye West, Babyface, Lil Wayne for all of that. Because, I mean, for all of what we just listened to. Because, honestly, you know, he could have taken that Alicia Keys song and gone straight into the Lil Wayne song. It's nothing sounded off. Um just some great production by Ye. I'm not going to lie, I am very proud of that transition between You Don't Know My Name to Comfortable. Like, when I re-listened to the episode, I was like, whoa, that transition was so smooth. Um, But yeah, so, you know, I telegraphed the sampler stage three years ago, and then also, I must really love that combination of songs, because I did it again in a sampler series a couple weeks ago in the newsletter. Um, But anyway, those are some of my favorite moments from the past Three years, the past 100 episodes. That is it for the Dig Deeper segment. That is it for the 100th episode. Um, I thank you all for listening. Um, I'm very excited to be at 100, and I'm even more excited to get started on 101. Um, You know the deal. This is Thinking Outside the Boombox. Tell your friends about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. you know what it is, the num- the number one, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B. This has been Thinking Outside the Boombox. I will see you for another 100 episodes. Peace. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.